not gain all of the revelation I need from my own studies, then surely it's true that the people in the church that are not ministers can also uh, be limited in how much revelation they can obtain on their own studies, that they have to find a minister to obtain that revelation. <clears throat> now, I understand that, you know, uh, certain things like salvation, you can get it on, on your own. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, if, uh, the book of Romans talks about, you know, how shall they hear unless one preaches? Uh, and so uh, it is possible, but uh, I would say the vast majority of people get saved because somebody's preaching. And even for, for me, I wasn't saved in church, but I was saved because of someone's preaching. Uh, you know, I heard the message on a Sunday morning at home, uh, right, at, right between, it was probably right between uh, the Three Stooges and wrestling, <clears throat> two of the most important things to watch, you know, when you're uh, a, young, a young person there, right? Uh, great, uh, uh, great, um, what's the word I'm thinking of? Yeah, great, ed- great edifying culture is what I'm thinking of, right? That's cu- high culture right there, right? The Three Stooges and, um, <clears throat> and wrestling. And of course, all wrestling is true, right? Because it's uh, real. I mean, somebody could smash you with a, with a metal chair and you not be put in a coma. You know, it's got to be true, right? And so, <laughs> I thank God we get to grow up, amen? <laughs> and so, <laughs> so if you look, if you still like wrestling, I'm not trying to burst your bubble and, and uh, didn't mean to spoil it for you. You mean it's not real? Uh, you know, um, if you didn't know that by now as an adult, then um, I'll leave that between you and the Lord. <clears throat> so, we'll get back to the Word of God, Amen. And so uh, it, it's unfortunate, and you know we're not mad at anybody, uh, but um, <clears throat> uh, about, the, about these funerals because uh, you know there's a lot of emotions that go on during these funerals. Uh, for me personally, I'm glad I get to do funerals because I know for sure that uh, the message is going to be from the Word of God. Amen. Uh, and so, um, but let's uh, let's pray, and then we'll get into the Word tonight. So, Father, we do thank you for the Word of God, and we thank you, Father, that you teach and instruct according to your word, by your spirit. And Father, we depend entirely upon your spirit to grant unto us revelation, insight, wisdom, and knowledge of your word. And Father, we thank you that your word is the foundation of all that we believe and all that we know of you. And we thank you for these things, Father. We give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's open our Bibles to the book of uh, Philippians chapter 4. We'll continue there today. And so we've been talking about, uh, really, Philippians uh, chapter 4, verses 6, 7, and 8. And those, those three verses are really kind of uh, good verses that you can pull out and study those three, meditate on those three verses, uh, and, uh, and, and to assist really in your biblical mental health. And um, uh, I think we're going to be talking some about uh, biblical mental health uh, before too long uh, on Sunday mornings um, because it's an area that the church needs a lot of help in. Amen? Uh, <clears throat> and... Um, but, you know, if I know somebody that's struggling with uh, mental health issues and, and they are a person of faith, and see, that's the issue is uh, <clears throat> the, these verses are true and they are helpful, but they are only helpful if you decide to apply faith to them. Amen? They're not magic pixie dust. Uh, you can't just say them one time and expect something to change. You have to meditate on them, get them in your heart, believe that they're so, and do what they say. Uh, and then you can have the results of them, which is basically the truth for any verse of the, of the Bible, amen? You have to believe that it's so and, and follow that plan uh, and do what it says for it to do, uh, for you to do, and, uh, and find out if you have any responsibilities. And so, uh, you know, we, we spend a lot of time in, in verse 6 there where it says, be careful for nothing, right? Do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. Well, that is a requirement, right? If you want everything else after this, 
then you have to do the beginning of this, amen? So you can't get all the resting, you can't have the peace, you can't have uh, the, the prayers answered until you meet this requirement. And so when I study the Word of God and I'm reading the Word, I'm always looking for uh, what, what is my responsibility in this matter, amen? <clears throat> what am I supposed to do? Uh, uh, how am I supposed to operate? I'll make sure that thing's on there. Uh, and, um, <clears throat> uh, and then once I know my responsibility, See, then I can go to the next step because if I don't do my responsibility, the Lord is unable to do His part. Uh, and, and so much of the scriptures are written as a covenant agreement. You do your part and He'll do His part because He's already done His part by going to the cross and purchasing our salvation and everything that comes with it. And then He has taken all of that, that package deal, the covenant of, of the Lord in the new covenant to the whole world and he has handed it to the whole world and said, this is your covenant. And, and he basically has approached the whole world just like he did with Abraham. He said, Abraham, uh, if, if you'll believe me, if you'll accept this covenant, I'll do all these things for you. I'll bless you. I'll bless those that bless you. I'll curse those that curse you. Uh, everywhere that the, the sole of your foot treads upon will be yours. <clears throat> all you have to do is say yes. And of course, Abraham was 20 generations after Adam. He was the first man that said, yes, uh, my, my uh, faith is that the Lord probably went to every single generation between Adam and Abraham and said, hey, would you like to have a covenant with me? I need a covenant with a man on the earth. Uh, uh, and <clears throat> what do I have to do? And basically I do is say yes. Uh, and, and I think 20 times people go, mm, that sounds like a lot of work, so I think I'll pass. And so he had to wait another generation and, and, and went to the next person, asked them, Eh, that sounds like a lot of work. I think I'll pass. And finally, he got to Abraham, who was a, who was a pagan, right? He worshiped the moon god. Uh, and, uh, and the real god appeared to him and spoke to him. And he said, you know, it sounds like a pretty good deal. I think I'll take that deal. He said, I'll make you the father of many nations. <clears throat> and so uh, he chose to accept the covenant. Well, it's really no different to, uh, with all of humanity that the Lord has all these blessings, just like he had all the blessings for Abraham available uh, that he was going to protect him and, and prosper him and watch over him. Uh, and the covenant today is, I'll save you, I'll get you born again, I'll, I'll set your eternity, eternity in heaven, your eternal destiny in heaven with me. All you have to do is say yes. You may not have to do anything. You, what do I have to give up? You don't have to give up anything. There's no requirement for salvation prior to you accepting the Lord. After, the, after you accept the Lord, then he has lists of things that he wants you to fix and improve to become more like him. But you don't have to earn your way to salvation. It's just a gift, right? He gave it to us. It's a free gift. <clears throat> and so a lot of times people in a church will preach to the lost and say, well, you need to give up this sin and quit doing that sin. And that doesn't make any sense. You know, with what power and ability are they going to give up that sin? They don't have any power and ability in them until after they get born again. Uh, and so <clears throat> sometimes we get things out of order. Uh, we don't approve of sin. Obviously, we don't accept sin. Uh, but... Uh, you know, if a sinner just gets saved, there should be a lot of grace for them to grow up a little bit. Amen. We shouldn't expect uh, baby Christians to be mature Christians that, that are avoiding all sins. We don't accept it. But if we see them in a sin, Galatians 6 one says, restore such a one in a spirit of meekness. Uh, and so, so we want, we want to, um, <clears throat> um, uh, we want to continue here with verse six. So he said, these things are our requirements, right? These things are the things that we're supposed to do. Be careful for nothing. Uh, and then uh, the other things will come along after that, right? So it's, you can follow these verses, and really any verse of the scripture. First thing you want to look for is what's my responsibility? What are you required to do? 
Uh, are you required to do anything? Like for salvation, there's really, uh, you know, in one sense, the only requirement is you have to believe and confess, right? Uh, Romans 10, 9 and 10 says that believe, believe that God raised Jesus from the dead and believe in your heart uh, or believe, uh, confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. So those are two requirements, but it's not, uh, there's no list of sins you have to remove out of your life before you're qualified to be saved. So there, but there is something to do, amen? So that tells you that not all men will be saved because not all men are willing to, first of all, believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. And secondly, which I think is the, is the, the more important um, or, or the, the more difficult thing in some ways, uh, which is to um, <clears throat> uh, confess him as your Lord, you have to decide that he's going to be in charge of your life. Uh, and for some folks, that's a big deal, right? Because they're used to being their own God. Uh, and so, <clears throat> and he says uh, then in verse uh, 7, he says, And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through uh, Christ Jesus. So the peace here, um, uh, if you remember in Galatians chapter 5, uh, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, right? The first three fruits of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. Uh, and so peace is a fruit of the Spirit. So <clears throat> we've talked a lot about this before, how that fruit, like anything, if you, if you look at an apple tree or an orange tree or whatever, the fruit there is, uh, you know, the fruit is a product of some prior event, right? Uh, and so for a, an apple tree, uh, before an apple can be produced on that tree, then the event that has to occur is that uh, is, uh, the bees have to go and do their job, right? They have to pollinate uh, the, the apples. Uh, and so if you put, put an apple in a box, uh, or apple tree in a box, uh, separated from all the bees of the world, it's not going to produce any apples because that event of, of the bees pollinating the, uh, the tree uh, doesn't occur. Uh, and so all the fruits of the Spirit have to have some prior action of faith before it's produced. So you don't actually uh, say, Lord, uh, and this, is, this will help us. Oftentimes people are praying, Lord, give me peace. But peace is a fruit. It's a byproduct of something that you've done prior in your life. Uh, and so you don't actually pray for peace directly. You do what it says, and peace comes as a fruit or a result of you doing some action of faith in your life. Uh, and, and a lot of times the church will get that backwards. They'll see, Lord, give me more love or give me more uh, love, joy, peace. Right? Give me more joy. Uh, and if you go through there, we're not going to go through all of them right now, but if you go through there, you can look and see what prior event, uh, for example, joy, Jesus said, ask, ask these things uh, that your joy may be full. Well, so then uh, the joy of the Lord is getting your prayers answered, right? Joy comes as a result of you having your prayers answered. So it's a fruit. It's a fruit of you believing God for things and receiving things from him, and along with you receiving of whatever thing that you need comes joy. And so joy, again, is not a, a direct uh, thing that you can pray for. It's a fruit of you living a life of faith. Uh, and so peace here, it says, if you do verse 6, then the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So uh, does everybody want peace? Everybody wants peace, right? But you can't have peace, so what do you got to do? Well, verse 6 tells you, number one is uh, stop worrying. Be careful for nothing. That's a commandment, right? Not a suggestion. It's a commandment from the Lord. For us to do that, uh, and uh, and any time the Lord commands us, the first thing we need to understand is if He commanded me to be careful for nothing, then number one, I can do it. Right? A lot of times people will read a scripture and they say, "Well, I can't do that. I can't live that way." Right? <clears throat> and so uh, they, they get they immediately discount the Word of God. 
So when the, Lord, when the Word of God says to be careful for nothing or to, to do not fret to have any anxiety about anything, sometimes people say, well, I can't stop worrying. Well, then what you've done is you've negated the entire Scripture. You've said, Lord, you've, you've, you've commanded me to do this, but I'm unable to complete your command, uh, and so I'm no longer responsible to do this verse. You don't really say it that way, but that's really what you're saying, right? No, we don't want to say that because if we said it that way, it'd make us look bad, so we don't want to say it that way. <clears throat> and so... Uh, so when I read that verse, be careful for nothing, I'll say, Lord, if you told me to do it, I have the capacity to do this. I have the grace to do this. I have the strength of spirit to do this. Even if I don't know how to do it, even if, if, if I look at it and I'm here and the verse says I should be way over there, uh, I'll, I'll go to the Lord and say, Lord, you know, I see how maybe I'm just completely consumed by worry. Uh, and yet you said to, for me to not worry. So uh, how are we going to get there? I always bring him in on it, right? How are we going to get there? Uh, and if you'll be sincere and honest in your, your prayer to the Lord, he will show you. Because uh, he, he's got a vested interest in you fulfilling his word. <clears throat> and so, uh, because he wants you to be full of peace. He desires for you to be full of peace, but you can't just say, Lord, replace this worry with peace. That, that's not a valid prayer. Because he said, in order to get peace, you have to cast all your care upon him decide to remove the worries out of your life, then pray, right? We talked a lot about, about the prayers, supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And why is it that you can be thankful? Because when you pray, you know that you have the petitions that you ask of him. So that's why you can be thankful. So, but that has to be a true uh, prayer to you. Lord, I pray this, and I know you're going to hear my prayer, and I know you're going to give me the things that I have need of, uh, because your word says that you would. Uh, and if I do that and I live that way, then the result of that is the peace of God comes into my life. <clears throat> so a lot of times people say, well, Lord, Lord, if it's your will, give me this thing. Well, there's no confidence that the Lord is going to give it to you because uh, 1 John 5, 14 says that this is the confidence we have. That we have if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And, and, and if we know that he hears us, we know that we have the petitions whereof we've asked him. Uh, <clears throat> and so... Uh, if that's true, then, uh, then the prayer here has to be a prayer with an, ex with, with an expected end, with the end that you desire, right? So I, if I desire a new job or a new house or a new car or whatever it is that you desire, whatever thing that you desire, then you have to believe that you're going to get the end of that prayer, right? Mark 11, uh, 24 says what things you ever desire. When you pray, believe that you receive them. Don't, it doesn't say that whatsoever things you desire when you pray, if it's the Lord's will, he'll give it to you. Well, there's no, really, there's no real faith in that statement, Lord, if it's your will. Because one thing that F.F. F. Bosworth told us, we, we studied this in healing school, <clears throat> is he said that faith begins where the will of God is known. And you have to meditate on that statement because what, what faith is, is faith says, I believe that you're going to do exactly what you said, Lord. That's all faith is. It's not really complicated, right? People act like faith is a hard thing, difficult thing, uh, hard to obtain, hard to live in, but it's not at all. When you read the Word of God, faith says, okay, that belongs to me. Faith says, if I do verse 6, I get verse 7. That's what faith says. Faith, faith is not some, some weird, uh, strange idea, uh, some magical property that just comes about because uh, you're a, a, a super saint or anything. Faith is simply, you read the Word of God, and you said, this belongs to me. You read the Word of God, and it says, I can do this. Uh, and so, <clears throat> if he says, be careful for nothing, uh, then faith says, okay, then I can be careful for nothing. 
That's what faith is. Faith doesn't say, well, Lord, you don't know, you don't know my circumstances, you don't know my situations, it's too hard for me to do that. Well, that's no faith, right? <clears throat> and the second part of that, let your request be made known unto God. Uh, faith doesn't say, well, Lord, I've, I've made this request to you, and uh, I don't know if it's your will for me to have that or not, uh, but if it is, I thank you for it, and if not, well, sorry, I bothered you. That's not really faith at all, because you don't know the will of God. If, you don't, if you're praying for something and you don't know what God's will is, then I'd say stop what you're doing, back up, because Colossians 1.9 says that we can be filled with, with the real knowledge of His will, with all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Uh, and so if I could be filled with the knowledge of His will, well, that would include everything in my life, right? That would include every prayer, every desire, every, every uh, circumstance, uh, everything that I'm going to do. And, and, you know, some things, uh, the will of God is clearly covered in the Word of God, right? So do not commit adultery. Okay, so is adultery ever the will of God? No. Uh, do not lie or steal. Okay, is lying or stealing ever uh, the will of God? No. So those are covered, right, in the Word of God directly. We don't ever need to pray, well, Lord, is it okay if I lie in this particular situation? What do you think the answer of the Lord is going to be? No, there's no, is there any such thing as a white lie? What's well, just a little white lie? Well, uh, who, who did Jesus say that the father of lies was? The devil, right? He, he said uh, he is a liar from the beginning. Uh, and so, so lies are never okay. But then some things, you know, you don't know. Lord, should I take job A or job B? Is there anything in the word of God that will tell you other than obvious things like, well, job A is working for the mafia and job B is working for, you know, Mother Teresa. Okay, well, that you might, might be kind of obvious, right? But if it's two normal jobs and nothing unusual about them, well, which one should you take? Well, that would be wrapped up in the will of God. And in those cases, you have to be filled with the real knowledge of his will and, and, and get that uh, knowledge through prayer. Well, Lord, uh, uh, should I take job A or job B? <clears throat> and, and, you know, uh, there was a case when, uh, there was a job, uh, I was working at a particular job, and um, uh, they called us up and said, well, we're going to uh, lay all you guys off because uh, we want you to move to Detroit. And I was like, I don't want to move to Detroit. And they said, well, you can either move to Detroit or we can give you a package and you can be laid off. And, um, uh, and so <clears throat> immediately in my heart, I knew just the, 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 the knowledge of the Lord. It wasn't, he didn't speak to me. It wasn't like the skies parted or anything. I just knew in my heart, you know, I take the package, right? Uh, and so, um, and so if that's true, if, if Lord, uh, because what I knew in my heart it was to stay where I was living, stay in the city where I was living. Uh, and so when they were, as they were talking on the phone, just the spirit of God just showed me that in my heart that you just stay where you're at. Don't move. Just stay where you're at. Uh, and so <clears throat> if, if that's true, see, then my faith hooks up with that, with that knowledge. Well, then Lord, if you want me to stay then you're obligated, if he tells me to stay, then you're obligated to find me a job. I mean, that seems pretty reasonable, right? Uh, and so I was doing, um, I was doing uh, he, uh, jail ministry at that time. And I went, uh, we did like a couple times a week. And so I went uh, that week to jail ministry and said, hey, I just found out I'm getting laid off. Uh, oh, you know, what are you going to do? I said, well, I said, let's see what the Lord's going to do because he's got to get me a job that's at least good. Uh, and and uh, I don't have to go backwards. The Lord is, is not a backwards God. He always goes forward. Uh, and so uh, let's just watch, see what he does. So I'd go the next week. Well, what did he find out? I hadn't found anything. You know. Well, it's getting closer. I know it's getting closer. Well, aren't you worried about it? No, because he said to stay. So he's obligated. So I got to show them you know, how faith worked over, over a period of several months uh, in dealing with him. And, and you know, there was other Christians in that same group that I was in. 
But, you know, uh, I know I was talking to one of them. He said, you know, I don't even know what to do. How, how can you know what to do? And he's like, well, how do you teach someone who knows nothing about being led by the Spirit of God, even though they're Christian, been a Christian as long as I have, maybe longer than I have been, but they've never been taught about how to be led by the Spirit of God, how to sense the unction of the Spirit of God about what to do in your life. So how do you teach them that? Because, I mean, I could say, well, the Lord told me. Well, that sounds kind of a little braggy, right? Uh, and so I wasn't trying to be braggy or anything. You know, I just said, well, you know, I guess, you know, I just hope for the best. I don't know, you know, I don't even know what I told them. But, um, and so, and so um, as we went along, then, of course, uh, you know, we, we, did the, we did our stuff, right? We, we sent out resumes and went to interviews and different things. And so finally, uh, I was actually at a previous job that I was at that uh, uh, it was an old boss of mine. Uh, he said, well, uh, we'd like to make you an offer. He said, but we've got two, two jobs for you. One is job A and one is job B. And as soon as he told me about the two different jobs, I said, well, job A is the one for me. He said, yeah, but we've got a problem. He said, job A, we've already offered it to another person, right, to another, another female engineer, which is, you know, they're like unicorns, right? You see one every now and then. And, uh, and uh, you know, male engineers, you can throw a rock and hit them everywhere, right? I mean, in this room, there's already two male engineers, right? And so they're not that hard to find. Uh, and so uh, you can't hardly find uh, uh, female engineers. Uh, and just like, you know, male engineers, every male engineer is not a good engineer, right? Just like the same thing in, with female engineers and all, not all good engineers. I had several good female engineers and some bad ones, uh, but it wasn't, it had nothing to do with their gender just because of who they were uh, as a person. And so, uh, <clears throat> so the Lord said, uh, what, and it wasn't, again, he didn't speak to me, but I just knew in my heart, well, job A is the one for me. And he said, well, we've already offered to somebody. It's like, well, so what's that got to do with anything, you know? And so I went about praying. Well, Lord, the, uh, if you showed me that this is your will to get job A, then that's your will. The, the circumstances are irrelevant. If that's your will, then until, you know, until it gets to a point where it can't be changed, then, then I'm going to pray. Uh, and, you know, there are times when the Lord's will is not able to be uh, committed, right? And we'll, we may talk about that here in a minute. Uh, <clears throat> and so you have to go to kind of plan B sometimes. Uh, but... Uh, in this case, since that person hadn't started working, then I could pray. And, I, and so my prayer was, Lord, give them a better job, right? Give them a better job that meets their uh, requirements more than this job does uh, so that I can have this job. Uh, and so that way, it's not like, uh, well, Lord, you know, uh, break, break a leg or, you know, cause them to, you know, uh, do something terrible, some terrible accident. You know, you don't pray, you don't pray like that. That's, that's terrible, right? Uh, you pray for the blessings of people because uh, people shouldn't be harmed for you to be blessed. Amen. Uh, and so, Lord, and, and so I found out later on, uh, well, she, didn't, she turned our job down because uh, she got a job closer to home and she didn't want to move. Uh, and so, so she got a better job. Amen. A job that she didn't have to move and leave uh, family and friends that she was there. Uh, and so she, she came out better. I came out better because I had a job. Amen. Uh, and so, so if you don't know the will of God, then you pray first before you ever pray about what you're going to do. Once I knew the will of God, see, then I could pray for that particular job. Uh, and so, and, and uh, you know, a lot of times people will go backwards. They'll pray for something and then don't get it. And they'll say, it must have not been God's will for me to get it to begin with. Uh, and so they're being, they're being uh, led by the circumstances. So if you had faith to get it and you didn't get it, 
See, then they're saying that, that it wasn't the will of God to get it. Well, then your prayer was never valid to begin with, right? Because according to 1 John chapter 5, the implication is if you don't pray the will of God, then he never hears your prayer. So to me, it's a bit of a cop-out, right? I, I don't ever, I just don't say that. You know, if I pray for something, then I don't get it. I'll ask the Lord, you know, what, why did I not get it? What did I do wrong that I didn't get it? Maybe I thought it was the will of God, and it really wasn't. Maybe I wanted it more, my emotions wanted it more than my spirit man wanted to hear from heaven. And that happens a lot, right? Your emotions get involved in things, and you really, really want it, and, and you can't hear anything other than that thing, right? And then it doesn't happen, so then you say, well, it, it must have been God's will. Well, that's not how we operate as people of faith. We, go into every, we should go into every circumstance knowing the will of God prior to us arriving at that circumstance, and then we pray according to the will of God. Uh, and if the word of God covers that circumstance, then we're, we're good, right? Because uh, we don't have to pray, Lord, what's your will? We know the will of God. But if it's, un, if it's unknown, if the will of God is unknown in a circumstance, then the best thing to do is don't move until you know the will of God. Don't pray in that direction until you know the will of God. And if you don't know the will of God, then don't pray at all, right? I mean, there's no, no need to pray unless you know the will of God. Uh, and so and the word of God covers many areas of our lives, but it doesn't, doesn't cover everything. But the spirit of God will fill in the gaps for us, and the spirit of God will never violate his word, right? You, always, you can judge anything the spirit of God says by the word of God. <clears throat> and so, so you do those things. You, you pray according to the word of God with the expectation that you get your prayers answered. And if you'll do that, See, the result of that, the, 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 the fruit of that is the peace of God. And so a lot of times people don't have peace, and I, can't, I just can't get peace. Well, if, see, if you tell me that, that tells me everything I need to know about you. Number one, you, you won't stop worrying. Number two, you refuse to be, believe God for anything, uh, and so now you don't have any faith. Now, I'm not trying to judge you. I'm just saying that if, if, if you don't have peace, then you haven't done verse 6, right? And so the Word of God is judging you. I'm not judging you at all. The Word of God is always says, well, here's how to get peace. So if you don't have peace, then you're not doing verse 6. If you're doing verse 6, you can't help but to get peace. So that's the way it works, amen? It's kind of a, you know, it's not a catch-22. To me, it's really simple, right? In my little mind, it's very simple. You do this, and you get that. <clears throat> and that's really all faith is. What the Word of God, what's the Word of God say? I'll do that, and I'll get this. Uh, and people make these things really complicated, difficult to understand. This is not difficult, right? If I do verse 6, I get verse 7. Is that, is that hard to understand? Is, that, is it complicated? Is it too, do we need a PhD to understand? We don't need a PhD. This is simple, basic faith, right? Uh, we do what it says. We get what it says. Uh, and it's not about us getting things. Who made the promise to us? Well, the Lord made the promise to us, so we're not, we're not being selfish by, well, Lord, if I do this or I get that, that sounds selfish. It's not selfish because the Lord made this promise to us. I'm not asking for the Lord something he didn't promise me. I'm not asking, well, Lord, I want to be king of the earth. Well, he never promised that to me, right? Remember, uh, James and John came to Jesus and actually it was their mom, right? Because they were too chicken to ask the Lord for it. Uh, Will you put my son at your right hand and left hand in glory, right? Uh, and Jesus is like, what? Dude, come on, you know, I mean... <clears throat> Uh, he said, that's not even my position to give. That's for the Father to give. Uh, and, and, of course, then all the other guys got mad, and Jesus was like, don't get mad at them. You're, you're exactly the same way. You just didn't want to voice it, you know? Uh, and so a lot of times people are like, oh, I can't believe they did that. Well, would you have done the same thing? Well, yeah, if I had a chance, I'd have done the exact same thing. <laughs> and so uh, sometimes we, uh, we act all spiritual uh, without acknowledging that we would have done the exact same thing, right? Uh, and so... So the result of that, the result of doing verse 6, uh, of refusing to, refusing to worry, getting rid of anxiety, 
by your choice. Amen? Well, I can't just give it up. If he says you can give it up, then you can give it up. You can't just not worry. 100% you cannot worry. See, the world will tell you, psychologists will tell you, well, that's just your makeup. No. My makeup is defined by the Word of God, not by my experiences or circumstances. Amen? I am what the Word of God says I can be. Uh, in fact, John Olson used to say, hold up your Bibles. You know, uh, and he would say, you know, I don't forget it exactly right, but uh, it says, uh, I, I, I can do everything he says I can do. I can be what it says I can be, and I can have everything I can have. Uh, and he said, shake it at the devil. And, and, you know, that should be our faith. If I read it in the Word of God, then my confidence is that I can do that. Now, I may not want to do it, but, but I can do it. Amen? And so if I can just get my will lined up with his will, that, that if he says to do that, then I can do that. See, then, then that's faith. That's all faith is. <clears throat> and so uh, I want the peace of God. Well, the peace of God, of course, uh, is, uh, we know what peace is, right? But one definition I like is, uh, exempt from the ravages of war, the, the warfare of your mind. You're, you're exempt from that warfare of your mind. And a lot of people, you know, things happen and they just, they just go bonkers, right? You ever notice that people are just perfectly fine until an event occurs? And then they just completely fall apart. A lot of Christians, you know, will do that. Uh, they look like great Christians, you know, perfectly fine people. Uh, and, of course, we're not trying to disparage anybody, but a lot of times uh, life will happen to people and then... Uh, they completely fall apart as Christians. Now, the world, you know, I can't help the world. But as a church, see, if you're living in peace, peace is not, not necessary when there's no conflict outside of your life. Amen? If everything was, was, was perfect outside your life, I mean, you could have peace, but you don't really need peace because you're already at peace. There's no, there's no conflict. There's no disagreements. There's no arguments outside of your life. Uh, and so peace is only helpful uh, in the midst of circumstances not being perfect. Uh, and so, uh, but a lot of Christians, when the circumstances suddenly become imperfect, they fall apart. Uh, and I know uh, even after my pastor died, you know, we were with my pastor for 20 years before he passed away. And just talking to people after he passed away. Now, he taught us, he loved the word. He taught us the word. Uh, and uh, more than one of the Christians in the church said, what are we going to do now? How are we going to make it? If he didn't make it, we can't make it. And they're wringing their hands. And I'm thinking, just we're going to do what he said to do for the last 20 years. That's what we're going to do. We're not going to do anything different. Uh, but for them, see, that this event occurred, and suddenly they lost their Christianity. Suddenly they, they were unable to be at peace because this event occurred. So they were never really in biblical peace anyway, right? They had just set their life up where there's no, no conflict. And some people do that, right? They, they, they dread any kind of confrontation or any kind of situation uh, and... and, and and in their minds, peace is the avoidance of all difficulty. Uh, and that's not peace, right? Peace is, is peace in the midst of all the situation. Amen? So there can be a war all raging all around you, right? What, it, what Psalm 91 says, a, a thousand shall fall at my, my side, ten thousand at my right hand. He said, but it will not, not come nigh me. Well, that's peace. If, if a thousand people are falling around you, ten thousand people are falling around you, and you're still, well, the Lord is good, all is well. See, that's peace, amen? But, but uh, some Christians, it's not even a thousand, it's like three. Three fell. Oh, I don't know if we're going to make it or not, you know? It's like, well, just three. You're not even up to a thousand yet. Uh, wait, give it a, a few more days, you know, let it get up to a thousand. They can't handle the three. Uh, and, well, peace says, it doesn't matter. Well, what if they all get it? It doesn't, doesn't matter. What if they all die of it? It doesn't matter. I'm going to be fine, amen? What if the economy goes south? doesn't matter. I'm exempt from that, amen? Uh, I choose to not participate. Uh, and so, 
Because that's what peace is. Peace is, is peace uh, exempt from the ravages of war in the middle of your circumstances. Uh, and that's when you need peace, right? You don't need peace when there's no difficult circumstances arising in your life. So, but you get that when you see the circumstance, then you pray, oh, Lord, you're going to work this out. I'm going to cast this care upon you. You're going to work this out. So it's going to be fine. We don't know how you're going to work it out, but you're going to work it out. Uh, and that's, that's the peace of God. But you have to do the, the verse 6 before you get to verse 7. But once you get to uh, uh, verse 7, he said, The peace of God, which passes all understanding. And that, that's a, a good phrase there. Uh, I'll, I'll read a, a couple different translations of verse 7 here. And the peace shall be yours, that tranquil state of, of, of a soul, assured of its salvation through Christ, and so fearing nothing from God and being content with its earthly lot of whatever sort that is, that peace which transcends all understanding. Uh, and so it, uh, a lot of times people look at you, what's, there's something wrong with you. How can you be at peace in the middle of all this situation? See, that, that, that passes all understanding, right? People look at you like there's something wrong with you. When you can be at peace. That doesn't bother you? The Lord is my answer. How could that bother me, right? The Lord is my supply. How could that bother me? Uh, and so is, that, is, is the Lord not our supply? Is the Lord not our answer? If he is, then, then, then the circumstances are, are irrelevant. Well, you should, you, don't you need to be concerned about that? It's not that you have to enjoy it or look forward to it or, or relish in it, uh, but in the middle of it, uh, that peace that transcends all understanding. Uh, one translation says, the peace of God which surpasses human understanding. Uh, one says, the peace of God which surpasses all power of comprehension. Uh, and so, uh, the peace of God is, is a fruit of the Spirit, right? It's not, a, it's not an, uh, a result of your mind, right? Your, that your mind is at peace, it's your spirit is at peace. And your spirit should inform your mind then about how it should operate. Uh, and so it's the peace is the fruit of the spirit. Amen. So it comes from the spirit realm. And then because it comes from the spirit realm, the result of that, according to verse 7, uh, since it comes from the realm of the spirit, the result of you getting that peace is it will keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So uh, one translation is so garrison and mount guard over your hearts and minds uh, through Christ Jesus. Uh, and so, so you have a, a, a garrison, right? It's, it's multiple soldiers that are standing guard at your mind uh, because of the spirit realm. And so it guards your mind uh, and helps you to keep from getting into worry. It helps you to keep from getting into fretfulness and anxiety. Uh, and so that peace of God is a great value because it, it's not only the result of, of lack of worry, it also guards you from getting into more worry if you allow, if you allow that uh, and yield to that spirit of peace. Amen. Uh, and so, so the peace of God is, is of great value. Uh, and, you know, I've heard stories uh, like with uh, uh, one story that I remember with uh, Brother Hagen. They said that uh, they were flying in an airplane. They had a, I don't know if at the time it was one of the uh, ministry jets or whatever, but it was, they were on a jet and they had him and the praise and worship team that was there. And so they probably had 20 or 30 people on this jet. Uh, and, um, and one of the engines went out. So immediately, you know what everybody does? They all look to Brother Hagen, you know, what's he doing? If he, if he breaks a sweat, we're in trouble, right? Now, if he doesn't break a sweat, we're probably okay, right? But if he breaks a sweat, we're all in trouble. And they said he, his expression didn't change. He didn't, he didn't even bat an eye. Why? Because the peace of God uh, takes you out of uh, the circumstances, right? It, it keeps you from being dependent on the circumstances. It makes you independent of the circumstances. And that's a great value of peace is you're at peace 
regardless of the circumstances. You are independent of the circumstances of your life because you know the Lord is, is, is your protector and provider. So, so what if an engine uh, goes out? Uh, did the Lord say, the, uh, you know, uh, like remember when Jesus was on the boat and they were going to the other side, he said, Let, let's go, boys, let's go to the other side. So when Jesus said, let's go to the other side, what, what should their expectation have been? They're going to the other side. Well, you know, they, they started out and everything was calm and peaceful. And so they, oh, yeah, we're going to the other side because it's calm and peaceful. But then a, a, a great storm arose, it said. And then they got nervous. But they only got nervous after the boat started filling up and they came to Jesus and Master, carest thou not that we perish? Which is an odd question, right? You don't care that we're going to die? But if they died, Jesus would have died along with them. Uh, and, of course, where did they find him? In the hinder part of the ship, uh, the part of the ship where? Doing what? Asleep on a pillow. In a great storm. You know, it wasn't just, you know, a little storm. Some people can't sleep, you know, unless it's perfect, you know, perfectly still and everything. Jesus was asleep in the midst of the great storm. Why? Because uh, it said the boat was already full of water. So what do boats normally do when they're full of water? Well, they normally sink. Was Jesus concerned? No, because his faith was we're going to the other side. He didn't say we're going to the other side as long as the boat doesn't get full of water. And so his faith would have carried him. He could have, they could have done nothing else and, and just cruised on through the storm to the other side, and yet uh, Jesus had mercy upon them and, and commanded the storm to cease. And, it was, and where before it was a great storm, now it was a great calm, and they made it to the other side. But the calming of the storm was not necessary for them to get to the other side. It was necessary to keep them from going bonkers, right? Uh, and so sometimes the Lord will have mercy on you to keep you from going bonkers, right? He'll, he'll change your circumstances out of mercy, not out of necessity, but out of mercy, because he doesn't care. He doesn't care if the storm's there. You're going to the other side. Amen. <clears throat> and so, so Brother Hagin didn't care. They were going to the other side. <clears throat> and, and what's an engine got to do with anything? If the Lord said we're going to the other side, then his faith was we're going to the other side. Amen. And that's my faith. Whenever I get on an airplane, I think we're going to the other side. Amen. And I, I look around all the people. They have no idea how blessed they are that I've arrived. Because if the wings fall off, we're going to the other side, right? Uh, uh, and so I'm not dependent on the circumstances. What if we run out of jet fuel? We're going to the other side, you know. Uh, Jesus did it uh, in the midst of a great storm. I think we could do it in an airplane, you know. Uh, boats full of water tend to typically sink, but they didn't sink. And so, <clears throat> so the peace of God uh, will uh, guard your heart and minds. And that's one of the great fruits of the Spirit is the peace of God. Because you are now no longer subject to the circumstances. The circumstances have no impact on your life. And if you could detach your life from your circumstances, uh, how, how much more at peace would you be in your life? Always fretting about this or that, you know, whatever the things are. Um, how much better would your life be if the circumstances had no impact on your life? Uh, and see, it doesn't say that there's never going to be any, any negative circumstances. There's no promise in the Word of God that I will take you out of the world and put you in a place where... where uh, you never have to deal with the world or interact with the world. And, of course, a lot of people, the way they obtain peace is they do that, right? They, they take themselves out of society. They take themselves out of life. Uh, and they avoid every circumstance. Well, that's not peace. That's just avoiding life, right? Uh, and they avoid all conflict. They avoid all difficulties. Uh, they back down all the time, right? So, that, so oh, I don't want any conflict. So they just back down and and really, people like that, you know, they're not people of great faith. They're just avoiding circumstance. They're avoiding life. Uh, and, and I've seen it so many times where, I know the, the Bible says that we should be peacemakers. 
And that's fine, but some people don't want peace. No matter how, how hard you try, they will not be at peace with you. Well, then I'm not going to back down from people like that. That's, that's not my problem. That's their problem. Amen. Uh, I'm not going to try to instigate anything with them. You know, unless the Lord says to instigate something with them, you know, sometimes the Lord will have you go say something to somebody, you know. That's between you and the Lord on that case. But uh, I'm not going to set my life up to avoid life. Uh, and a lot of people do that. Well, I, you know, I can't, I can't trust anybody ever again. Because, you know, one time somebody did something against them. So the, the way that they obtain peace is by never trusting anybody. Well, that's not really obtaining peace. That's avoiding life. Amen. Uh, and, and so uh, I'm going to uh, trust people that the Lord tells me to trust. Well, what if they violate your trust? So I'll get another one. I'll shoot them in a kneecap and get somebody else. Right. I mean, it's just it's not like it's not like you can't get somebody else. Amen. Uh, and so. Well, what if this happens? Well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what happens. I'm going to remain at peace. Amen. I can't control people around me, and I'm not going to control people around me, uh, but I will live in peace. Well, what if they all forsake you? It doesn't matter. I'm going to be at peace, right? What if they all say bad things about you? I don't care. It doesn't, I'm going to be at peace. What if they don't like you? I, I'm, I'm still, the Lord loves me. So how could, how could your dis, distaste for me equal how much the Lord cares for me? You know, a lot of people, well, you know, well, you know, you need to get people like you. But that's not my, that's not my goal in life. And my goal is also not to cause you to dislike me. Uh, but, but I'm not going to pander to people in order to get them to like me. You know, because some people, when you teach the, 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 uh, uh, the word of faith message, they will not like you. If you live by faith, some people just will not like you. Or oh, you're one of those faith people. I'm like, well, thank you. I consider that a great honor, you know. Uh, and, uh, but people will use that in a negative sense, right? Oh, you're one of those faith people. And I'm thinking, well, well so are you. Uh, for by grace you saved through what? Faith. faith. Everybody's a faith person to some extent, right? You just may be a little faith person, right? Uh, you're you're, you're a, a little faith person, right? One time Jesus said, you have no faith. That would have been really harsh. Uh, but uh, many times he said, you are of little faith. <clears throat> uh, and so, uh, but the Bible says you can multiply your faith and be of great faith, Right? Uh, and he told, told the, the centurion, you know, I've not found so great faith, no, not in all Israel. Well, I don't want to be like that guy. Uh, he had great faith. Well, how did he have great faith? Well, he just understood how the word of God works. Uh, and so, so, so peace is of great value to us. Amen. It will separate your life from all those circumstances. And uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't take you out of the circumstances, but in the midst of that circumstance, you can be at peace. Uh, and so, you know, there's a lot of times me and Chris, you know, we'll use our faith. We'll be in the middle of something and uh, <clears throat> some circumstance or situation. And we'll just, we'll just say, you know, let's just see how the Lord gets us out of this. Uh, you know, he'll, he'll do it. We know he will, but uh, it'll be really interesting to see how he does it, right? And he does. Every time, he, every time we've ever had to pray about anything like that, we just sit back and watch him do it. Somehow all the planets come into alignment and everything works out perfectly fine, right? And, and so, you know, if you do this long enough, it's not even an issue of if, it's an issue of how, right? Let's just see how the Lord does it. You know, he's going to do it. We have no idea how he's going to do it, but we know he will. Uh, and so you can, if that's true, then you can be at peace in every circumstance. You don't know how he's going to do it uh, or with what methods he's going to use to get you out of that circumstance, but you know he will. Uh, and so... And that's peace. Well, that comes about because of an act of faith that you've chosen to believe that the Lord will answer your prayer and whatever you ask of him. Uh, and you can live in that way. Wouldn't that be a great way to live that way every day? Well, you can live that way right now, every day, with no exceptions. Every single day, 
no matter the circumstances, no matter what's come your way, you have the right and the privilege to live in perfect peace. Uh, and if you do that, it will, uh, the peace of God will garrison and mount guard over your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And so you have a guard that's standing at the doorway that allows no worry or fret to come into your life. And when they come to your life, it has to go through peace first. Peace goes, no, we don't, we don't accept that worry uh, here. Uh, you'll have to go. To, he's now that house over there. Go over there. They'll be glad to take you. Right. I mean, you know, they'll be glad. They'll take you and all your buddies with you. Right. Uh, but this house, we're exempt from the from these circumstances. Amen. Uh, and so they'll be that house over there. Yeah. OK, we're going to we're heading over that house right now. Uh, and so uh, let, let's turn over to First uh, Peter uh, chapter two real quick. And we'll look at uh, this verse, I think, is, is one of the most unsung heroes of verses. I believe in the whole New Testament, because if you understand this verse, you understand how a lot of things work. Uh, and so this is in 1 Peter chapter 2, it says in verse 11, it says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you, I beg you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the what? The soul, right? And of course, uh, uh, the soul and the spirit are two different things. The soul is, is made up of your mind, your will, and your emotions. And he said, these lusts are these desires, right? So lust is not just a sexual sin, it's any strong desire. Uh, and so maybe you have a strong desire for having the most expensive car in the, in the neighborhood, right? Whatever the, whatever the fleshly or carnal uh, desire that you have that's outside the will of God, it's not just, just sexual sins, it's any, any sin, it's any desire that doesn't line up with the word of God. Uh, and he said that those desires war against your soul. Now, uh, it's spiritual in, in the sense that it comes from the enemy of mankind, but it's also uh, in the soulless realm that wars against your soul. And, the, and so for the Christian, you know, uh, we do war against principalities, powers, mights, and dominions in the spirit realm, but those uh, principalities, powers, mights, and dominions attack your soul. They don't attack your spirit, they attack your soul, they attack your mind, right? To start thinking bad thoughts, to start confessing bad things start thinking that you're not going to make it, to thinking that the Word of God doesn't apply to you, to thinking that God's not going to come through. That, that's where the warfare occurs, is in your mind, right? The war's against your soul. Uh, and, and the Christians, if they would be aware of that, that, yeah, it may be a spiritual battle in the sense that the source of that is from the spirit realm of the enemy, but it's attacking your soul. He's not attacking your spirit. Your spirit's sealed by the Holy Ghost. Your spirit, man, if you're born again, looks just like Jesus. The, the, uh, the devils have, have no desire uh, to, to come up against the spirit of Jesus, amen? I know you're not Jesus, but it looks like Jesus. You're sealed by the Holy Ghost, right? And so when they come in the realm of spirit, what they see is owned by the Holy Ghost, owned by the Jehovah God. That's what they see. Well, I don't want to touch that. Uh, but they'll go to your soul, and they'll attack your soul. Well, you know, uh, those preachers, they preach, you know, like you can do anything, you can't do anything. You know, sometimes you just can't make it. Well, that's not true. You can make it every time, amen? Uh, and so... Uh, so there is a war against your soul, uh, and uh, I'd like to do some more teaching on that, you know, maybe a little bit more in depth uh, one of these Sunday mornings here, because I think that'll help, because that's really the root cause of all your problems. If you're born again, the biggest problem is, is everything between your ears. It's not your, it's not your body, it's not your spirit, it's your soul, right? Everything in between your ears, and um, of course, for some people, there's not much there, right? So they're not a big problem, Amen. <laughs> Uh, and so, uh, but for other, other folks, you know, uh, it, it is a big problem. Amen. So we can go back to Philippians chapter four. Uh, so do we want the peace of God? Can we have the peace of God? Can we live in the supernatural peace, right? Because it's a fruit of the spirit. So it's spiritual peace. 
it comes from the realm of the spirit. Uh, and it's a spiritual peace, and that spiritual peace will guard, it says, remember it says it guards your heart and mind. So even though there's warfare against your soul, which is your mind, uh, the peace of God will guard your soul. So that's a pretty good deal, amen? It's still the realm of the spirit. It's still a, 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 an act of faith that occurs in the realm of the spirit. Uh, and you activate it by your faith. You activate it by doing what verse 6 says. Uh, and then there's a whole lot of things that you'll never, ever be concerned about just as an automatic fruit of you living by faith. The things that, that uh, no, normal people or other people will, will fret and worry about all the time. And it may never come across your path. That, well, I've never even thought about worrying about that. I didn't even know that. Is that something you're supposed to worry about? I didn't know. You know who makes those rules, right? Uh, but other people, like, they're just like this every time. No matter what happens, they're like this all the time. Uh, but the Christian who lives in peace, like, oh, yeah, I, I hadn't even thought about that. that uh, they said the interest rates are doubling. Huh? Huh? So what's that got to do with anything, right? Gas prices are going through the roof. Oh, is that a problem? I didn't know. The Lord's my supply. Is that, is that an issue? Are we supposed to worry about that? Uh, you know, and they look at you like, there's something wrong with you. Don't you know you're supposed to worry about this? Like, oh, I don't know the rules. I'm sorry. I, you know, I'm following my rules. I'm following the rules of the, of the Word of God. It says I can live in peace. That's the rules I'm living by. What rules are you living by? I'm living by whatever comes my way. I've got to worry about it. Uh, well, that's a terrible rule, but that's uh, how many that... Now, we're not talking about the world. This is the church, right? How many people in the church worry about everything? About anything, right? Their pets, the groceries, you know, the price of gas, uh, whatever, right? Uh, I mean, back COVID, you know, toilet paper. What are we going to do about toilet paper, right? Uh, well, that's why God invented corn cobs, right? I mean, there's always a backup plan somewhere, right? Uh, and so, <clears throat> um, I don't know. Uh, but, but see, uh, and you can tell. What, are people, what were people worrying about at the beginning of COVID-19? Toilet paper. I mean, what in the world? They, they, uh, you, you just think it would have been a good time to be in, uh, uh, having stock in the toilet paper companies, right? I mean, they were printing it. As, you know they were printing it uh, 24 hours a day, right? As fast as they could. And people were hoarding it. <laughs> Why? Fear. Uh, no peace about toilet paper. Uh, and it's like, really? You know, I mean, that, that's, wow. You know, have you never been out in the woods, you know, uh, in, in situations? You know, that's why God invented big leaves, right? And so, I don't know, you know, I mean, I, uh, it's just, uh, I never worried about it, you know. Uh, and so, uh, but we can live this way. We should live this way. We ought to be living this way now. This is not pie in the sky. Oh, this is only for the pastor. This is only for super special people of faith. No, the average, everyday, ordinary Christian ought to live this way. Not, this is not hard to do, not hard to obtain. You only got one verse that, that, that you've got to do to obtain the peace. Amen? Now, there's a lot in that one verse, I know. But you only got one verse. It's not like you have to even do the whole rest of the book of Philippians. Just ignore the whole rest of the book of Philippians. Do verse 6, and you're good on peace. Amen? Uh, and so, uh, then, then he comes. Uh, we, don't, we don't have time to get into all of it. We'll start here in verse 8, just a little bit. Uh, in Philipp, uh, Philippians 4, 8 says, Finally, so having done these things, finally, brethren, Whatsoever things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. And so we'll go into a little bit of what, uh, what, what these things uh, mean here. <clears throat> we won't have a, a lot of time to go into everything. We'll just maybe get uh, the first one or two here. Uh, but uh, I actually want to start at the end of the verse, right? Uh, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. So if Paul is telling you, to think on these things, then what's your first? What's your first question? Can I decide what I think on? Because he said, think on these things. Uh, in other words, think on these things and not think on your circumstances. 
So think on these things. Well, you can't do that. You can't just decide what you think on. Well, that's what he says to do. If he says that's what to do, then you can do it. Amen. Uh, and again, that, that's faith. Faith says, well, I can do that. I can think on whatever I want to think on. Well, you can't just not think about that. Sure you can. You know, there's things that have transpired in my life that I don't even think about, you know, sometimes for years, right? Sometimes, in, you know, in preaching, of course, a lot, a lot of things will rise up. And I'll tell you a story about things that happened to me or, or whatever. But when I leave, I don't, I'm not thinking about those situations, the circumstances. Do you ever cry at home about things that happened to me? I don't say, yeah, do you remember that, Chris? It was so bad. It was awful. Why? Because I don't think about it. It, 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 doesn't, it doesn't define who I am. It's not part of who I am. It's, it happened. And it's a great story, right? Uh, it it's, uh, kind of reminds me of, uh, of uh, Lester Sumrall. He, he was heading out to China uh, as a young man, and he got to San Francisco. This is back you know, when you had to take a steamship to, to, San, to uh, China. Uh, and um, uh, there was a pastor there. So we'll come and preach for me a few days before you go. And there was a big church there in San Francisco, and so he preached several days. And at the end of it, the pastor said, well, who's sending you to China? Well, the Lord is. You're not, you, nobody's sponsoring you? No. He said, well, you'll die there. He said, well, if I die, would you come and put a little gravestone on my head there? Uh, and the pastor didn't even give him an offering. He preached for him three days, had a great revival. A lot of people got saved and, and uh, blessed uh, by, by Lester Summerall's uh, meetings there. <clears throat> and, uh, and he left. But then he went out and started telling everybody in Hong Kong, China area, hey, uh, and, and Lester was always one to, to not care about naming names, right? He'd say, yeah, this pastor so-and-so, he named his name from San Francisco, such such a church, he didn't even give me an offering. I, I came over here, you know, before, and I, I could have used some finances to come over here. Uh, and so I preached at his church. We had a great revival. A lot of people got saved and blessed because of the ministry. He didn't give me a penny. His name is so-and-so. You know, his church is located at so-and-so, Right. And so he went all over, all over the uh, 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 East Asia uh, and telling the people this story. And so somehow the pastor found him, I think like in Hong Kong or somewhere, he went overseas and, hey, he said, would you please stop telling everybody that I did that? Uh, and, uh, and Lester said, I can't do it. He said, it's such a great story. I can't not tell the story. It's a great story, right? Uh, and so it wasn't that he was mad about it, but it was a great story, right? He went to the big church. They didn't give him an offering at all. And so now he has to go by faith and, and go to China on his own. And the, 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 the pastor said that he was going to die in China. Uh, and so, or some people like say China, right? Uh, <laughs> but, uh, and so, you know, the stories are great, but they don't really define who we are. Amen. So you can have stories about Lord got me through this situation, that situation. But, you know, if, if there's tears that rise up in your eyes every time that you tell a story about an event you, that you uh, walk through by faith. I, you know, did you really walk through by faith? Some people, you know, they, they, they make it through. Uh, and, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego got thrown in a fire. What did they smell like when they came out? Nothing. Roses and puppies, right? I mean, they, they didn't smell like anything. Some people come out of the fire and, and their hair is singed, right? They're missing one eyebrow and they smell, you know, wow, what is that? You know, I, I fell in the fire, right? And, uh, and uh, yeah, they survived, but they, they didn't survive with peace. They made it through, but we're not supposed to make it through. Our job is not to survive long enough to, to, to make it through. Our job is to walk through the midst of the fire with no, no, no burns or scars or anything. Uh, and if that's the word of God. I mean, they, they weren't even saved. Uh, and their confession wasn't even that great. Well, if, if the Lord's going to protect us, he'll protect us. If not, you know, we're still going to serve him. That's not really a great confession. The Lord still uh, took care of them, right? Uh, I'd have been like, yeah, throw me in. The Lord, be, I'll be fine. Now, I don't want, I'm not really interested in being thrown in a fire, but I'm not trying to, to, to tempt the Lord at all in that. 
but if that happens, you know, uh, my confession is all is well. I'll go in well and I'll come out well. Uh, and so, <clears throat> so if Paul says, think on these things, then you have the capacity to decide what you think of. And, and what happens a lot of times as Christians, their thought life is all-consuming. What they're thinking about, they can't think about anything else. And they refuse to think about anything else. Uh, and, and the only way that I know to get out of that is through confession of the Word. Is you've got to get to the Word, you find the verse that the Lord gives you. You know, it could be Philippians 4, 8, think on these things. Uh, you know, for me, there's been times and seasons when I've had to do things and I've just confessed the Word. For me, one time, and it, we talk about it in the book there about the healing brokenhearted, my confession uh, was uh, Matthew 5, 8, that the pure in heart shall see God. And I'd get up every day, Lord, I've got a pure heart. Because see, the heart is made up of the, uh, part of your soul there too. And that's what he said in verse 7 too, that peace of God will guard your hearts and mind. Uh, and, and my mind was just messed up. I was all consumed in these thoughts. And, my, and the Lord said, your answer is in the word of God. See, I thought my answer was in, if I can just get these people to, to stop being so mean. Because they just, they, they're misinterpreting everything I'm doing, right? They just decided I'm a terrible person. And, and, I, and if I could just get them to see I'm not a terrible person, see, then we could be, we could be good. But you know, there's some people are just terrible people. doesn't matter what you say, that they will refuse to believe the truth. They will believe the worst about you no matter what you say or do. Now, I can't change that. I can be at peace in the middle of that. Amen? And so what I had to decide is, if they never change, I have to be okay. Uh, and th- that can be a hard thing to arrive at in your heart because you think, as Christians, we should all desire to walk in love. Amen? And we should. But, you know, some Christians just will not walk in love. They just will not, they just refuse to do it. Uh, in fact, one person I was talking to the Lord about said, Lord, why, why uh, can't you tell him to walk in love with me? That's what I asked him. Can't you tell him to walk in love with me? And the Lord said, I'm not going to do that. And, and I took that, you know, this was a long time ago, but I took that as, well, he doesn't want to help me. I can't even get the Lord to help me out, Wh- which is stupid, you know, I know. But, you know, in the midst of situations, sometimes you say things or think things that aren't scriptural. And so years later, I brought that back up to the Lord. So, Lord, well, you know, why wouldn't you help me on that? I asked you to help me on that. Why wouldn't you help me? Why wouldn't you go tell them to walk in love with me? Uh, and, and his words, his exact words to me, he said, I already told them to walk in love by my word. He said, I'm not required to repeat myself. Uh, and see, uh, so he wasn't going to supernaturally tell them to walk in love because he already told them by his word to walk in love. So he's not required to. So he was just telling me that they just were belligerent, didn't want to change is what he was telling me, right? But he didn't tell me that to begin If he told me that to begin with, I'd have been like, yeah, terrible people. I'm so much better than them. Uh, and so at least I would have known I was so much better than them if he just told me that. Uh, but he didn't tell me that. And so, so I just thought the Lord didn't want to be on my side, which, of course, is never true. The Lord's always on your side. Uh, and so, but I had to, I had to figure out how do, how do I get my heart right if they never change? Because uh, I had gotten to the situation where I, I thought the only way I can be okay is if I can get them to, to just get at peace with me. Because I didn't have any warfare with them, but they had warfare with me. You ever been in a situation where people just, they're they just crossways with you. And no matter what you say or do, they, they just never come around. Uh, and, and I've met people like that. I've, I've been around people like that. Christians, right? Come in church, raise their hands, shundai, shundai, speak in tongues, run around the church, and then call you a dog on Monday, right? Uh, and it's like, well, just, can I have the guy that was yesterday? Because I like the guy yesterday, right? The guy I'm seeing today is not so good. Uh, or, the, you know, the Facebook preachers, they're always in God wonderful, and you see them in person, and, and they're 
cussing up a storm and all that. You know, it's like, can I have the Facebook person? Because the Facebook person seems pretty cool. The, this person, not so much, right? But that guy, can I have that guy? Uh, well, see, I want to be at peace no matter what anybody says or does. And I can be, because I can think on these things, amen? Instead of thinking about, why don't they like me? Why are they doing this to me? See, that was my problem, is I was thinking about all these things that were going on. I was thinking about what they had said about me, what they lied about me, what, what they had accused me of doing, you know, all these, that's all I was thinking about, all I was thinking about. And that didn't, that didn't change anything, because the Lord said to me, he said, uh, he said, what would be your responsibility if, because, you know, sometimes you ever thought that somebody was doing something against you and they really weren't? I know that probably never happens to anybody, right? I mean, I know they're talking about me. How, how do you know? I mean, do you have like a spy camera there or something? You don't really know. I mean, a lot of times people say, well, I know they're doing that. Well, how do you know? You know, but the Lord said, what if everything you think that they were doing, they are doing? What's your responsibility? Don't ask me that question, Lord. You need to strike them dead. That's, what, that's the only thing I want to talk about is that. What are you going to do to them? That's what I want to know. And he's like, no, what's your responsibility? I said, well, I've, I've got to walk in love. Regardless of how they act, I've got to walk in love. And that was really hard. Just saying that was really hard at that time because it just seemed so unfair. Because these, these were leaders in the church, right? This was not just, you know, uh, not that anybody's less important in church, I know, but, you know, there's leaders in the church and there's, and there's the rest of the church. But they just didn't want to straighten up. Yeah. And so uh, I had to get my mind settled, get the peace of God in the midst of the circumstance. Now, I could have left, but see, just leaving the church, that wouldn't have really helped me. A lot of times people leave their circumstances and they think that's peace. I want to be at peace before I ever leave the circumstance. And that Lord says to leave after that. And I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I'm not leaving. If you tell me right now to leave, I said, I'm not leaving. Because until I get my heart right, I am not leaving. Because all it's going to end up doing is just keeping that same heart right out the door. Uh, and until I can get the victory of that, I'm not leaving. Now, now, that was a brave thing to say because I surely hadn't uh, arrived at that, at that success yet. Uh, and, and, you know, years later, I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, uh, why do you have me go to that church? Because they were so mean. Right? You ever been in a mean church? You know, the, the, the most wonderful, godly people you'll ever meet will be in church. The meanest, backstabbingest, sorriest people you'll ever meet will be in church. You know, someone said the other day, he said, uh, uh, there's plenty of hypocrites at Walmart that didn't keep you from going there. So why, do, why does a hypocrite at church keep you from going there? You know, I thought that was a good point, right? Uh, are there hypocrites in church? The, you know, there, there's hypocrites in probably every church that there is, right? I'm not pointing any fingers here at all. I don't, you know, it's not a, uh, we're not trying to judge anybody. But, there, you know, some people sometimes just don't do the word of God. And so, <clears throat> so I said, Lord, Lord why you, why'd you have me go there? Because... Uh, uh, you know, I felt like I was completely unsuccessful. And in a way, I was. Because the, la the last thing he told me, the day that the, he told me to leave the church, uh, he said, their hearts are fixed. It's time for you to go. In other words, they will not change. Nothing I can do, nothing I can say, nothing I can pray can cause them to change. They have decided. Remember, he told, uh, he told uh, I think it was in Hosea, or maybe in Amos, he said, uh, leave Ephraim alone. He has joined himself to his idols. There's nothing you can do about Ephraim. Right. He's decided this is what he wants to be, and the Lord has taken it as far as he can take it, and nothing could be changed. And that's what he said to me the day that, I, that, that last day I was at the church. And so years later, I was you know, talking to the Lord about it. I said, Lord, you know, well, why'd you even have me there? Because I felt like I was unsuccessful. 
And in a big, in a big way, I, I was unsuccessful in, in the sense of helping them. But see, the Lord doesn't measure success the way, the way we measure success, right? The Lord measures success as, did you do what I asked you to do? He doesn't measure success on what was the results. Because Jesus, remember, he went to his own hometown in Nazareth, and, he, and the Bible says he could there do what? No mighty works. Complete failure, right? Uh, Jesus w- w- created the kingdom of, of Israel as Abraham and always intended for the Jewish nation to be the carriers of the gospel of the Lord Jesus. Are, are they that today? No, they've circled the wagons and, and stuck with the Old Testament. So, in that, well, that sounds like he's a failure, right? But I don't think the Lord Jesus is a failure, but, you know, some people would say that. Uh, and so I said, you know, I said, Lord, you know, why would you have me go there? Yeah. And this is what he said. He said, he said I had you to go there because uh, I loved them enough that I wanted them to repent. Because the church had gotten very spiritual and a lot of spiritual pride. We were the best church, no church like us. We were so spiritual, so, so powerful. You know, we had the best word, best spirit, best music. Uh, and many of the things were true in a sense, uh, but they had gotten into spiritual pride. And, and no church was like us, right? And that's why, you know, I don't want anybody around here saying things like that about this church, right? I mean, we're a good church, but we're not the best church. Um, how would you know? Have you been to all of them? If you haven't been to all of them, then you can't say it's the best church. It might be the best for you, but it's not the best church in the world. You don't know. Uh, and so uh, he, said, he said, I sent you there because uh, I love them enough that I wanted them to repent. And he said, he said you were willing to stay when others had left. And you were willing to stay long enough to give them the opportunity to repent. Now, they never took it. They missed their window. They missed their time of visitation. Uh, and if they had repented, you know, the, a lot of things would be different right now. Amen? Uh, you might not even know me. If they had repented, I might still be there. <clears throat> and so, but, uh, you know, the Lord knows the end from the beginning, and so that, that's the way it was. And that's what he said. He said, I was, on, I was on assignment there to give them an opportunity to repent because when they would uh, blast everybody else out, they would leave the church. And they would blast me out, call me all kinds of names, and, and accuse me of all manner of evil, and I would stay. Well, why would you stay? Because I never did get the Lord to tell me to leave. And I was just determined that, Lord, unless you tell me to leave, no matter what the cost is, I'm not leaving. And that sounds odd to some people, right? Because they'll leave, you know, if the temperature's 74 degrees, like, I'm out of here, right? If the, if the chair cushions are three inches instead of four inches, you know, I'm not having putting up with this. And we had some people leave the church because the blinds weren't down on a Sunday morning. I mean, like, okay, fine. Stand before the Lord Jesus and tell him that, right? I mean, I'm not mad at anybody, but I'm thinking, I can't imagine standing before the Lord Jesus. Oh, Lord, you know, did you go to that church? No, Lord, uh, their blinds were up. And the Lord would be like, what, what, what did you just say? The, the blinds were up? That's why you didn't go to the church that I called you to go to? Yeah, Lord, the blinds were up. Really? Can you say that slowly, right? One more time, slowly, you know, so that I can understand. Uh, I mean, I'm not, I'm not mad at anybody, but I'm just like... That, the, the, the uh, fickleness of, of the church today, amazing, right? Uh, some, some pastors oftentimes preach from, uh, on eggshells. Oh, I better not say that. They'll get mad. I better not say that. They'll get mad. And it's like, what? what? That, for, for one thing, that's a disservice to you. Amen? Because if I only say what I think you want to hear, how is it helping you? Amen? Now, I'm not trying to hurt you or, or harm you at all, but my job is not here to... to uh, just sing the praises of, of all your wonderful works. Amen. And my job is to say, here's the word of God. Let's do that. And that, that's really what my job is, right? And, and if that comes in conflict with what you're doing, well, that's for you to work out in your own life. Amen. Uh, and, and hopefully with the assistance of the other things we preach. 
Uh, and so I can think on the things I want to think on. It doesn't matter. Uh, it took me a long time to, to find that, to win that battle, right? But I, I was unwilling to, to quit until I won that battle. And then, then once you win that battle, I mean, you'll never go back. If you have to deal with, with significant things of, of just all these attacks, right, the warfare of the, the soul, and you win the battle, you'll never go back to worry and fret. You'll just, there's no way. Someone says something against you, there's no way. It's not going to bother you, amen? Well, can you do this? Can you live this way? Sure you can. 100% guaranteed you can live this way if you want to, amen? Uh, and so for, for us, the question is, you know, uh, are you willing to, to do this? Are you willing to, to, uh, to commit yourself to do that, right? Are you willing to say, Lord, if you said to not worry, if you said, Lord, to think on these things, then, Lord, I choose to believe that I can live this way. And that's your first step of faith, amen? Even if you're not a thousand miles from that, your first step of faith is, Lord, I can do what your word says I can do. <clears throat> and if you'll start that process, see the Lord can then work with you and help you get to that point in your life where you'll have complete and total victory in these areas. And then uh, you'll live in, in perfect spiritual, supernatural peace that uh, mounts up a garrison uh, against all the circumstances of this life. Uh, and, and that would be a great benefit if the church could get there, amen? But we all can. Uh, the question first, how bad you want it, right? How bad do you want to stop saying, I can't do it? You know, do you want it bad enough to stop saying, well, you don't know what they've done to me? You know, that's the question for us, right? Now, I, I was willing to do it, and, and the fruit of it is great uh, blessings, amen? And, and so let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So, Father, we do thank you for your word. And, Father, we thank you that if your word says to do these things, then, first of all, we choose to believe that, Father, we can do everything that you told us to do. We have the grace, the power, the spirit, the word, the ability to do everything you've, you commanded us to do, Father. There's nothing that we can't do. If your word declares it, we have the ability to do it. We can live this way, Father. And Lord, we refuse to allow our, our confession to be contrary to your word, that we will not confess uh, words against your, against your words. We will not confess that we can't do your word. Father, that, that is an act uh, of rebellion and is a sign of a lack of faith. So Father, we will walk in faith. We will say, I can do everything that your word says I can do. I can be everything it says I can be, and I can have everything it says I can have. And so we thank you for these things, Father. We give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. We'll, we'll come back uh, next week. We'll, we'll, we'll um, dissect verse 8 a little bit and just go through those individual things to think about. <clears throat> uh, and so uh, we'll see how that can help us, because it, it should help us. Amen. Uh, but I do like knowing that if it says I can think on these things, then I can't. Uh, and so let's get ready to receive uh, this, uh, uh, this evening's offering. So a couple things. One is uh, we got prayer Friday night, right, 7 o'clock here at the church. And then uh, two, we have um, uh, daylight savings is coming up or ending, right, on uh, Sunday. So you get an extra hour of sleep. So I think everybody's got a, a phone that was made in the last century, right? So the phones automatically... Uh, take care of themselves, right? If you've got an Amish phone that you have to flip or one that got the little rotary dial on a, on a cell phone, then um, it won't do that for you. But most other phones will take care of that for you. And so, but all your analog clocks at home, they're not going to, you know, you have to go there manually hit the little button there, right? We've got an atomic clock at home that there's a signal that the, uh, come ahead, just dared to receive the offering. There's a signal that uh, the National Institutes of Standards and Technology or something sends out uh, by radio frequency. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And so it sends out a, an atomic uh, signal every minute or every second or something, and you, you can get a clock that picks that up, and it's exactly correct within like a millionth of a second, which should be close enough for most people. 
And so I know you cared about all that stuff there. So if you want to know more, you can talk to Chris about it. She can tell you all about that. And so, so, oh yeah, we've got to pray for that prayer class there. So, so prayer on Friday night at seven o'clock. And if we get here and you're an hour late to church, or an hour early to church, will know that you didn't set your Amish clock back the right way, right? And so, I don't have any idea. I don't want to think about that. Uh, and so, uh, I'm going to dismiss everybody. I've got to pray for a couple prayer cloths here, and, uh, and we'll see you all on Friday. Amen.